Thanks for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Well, thank you, uh, Barney, and thank you, Tom. Uh, This morning, we're going to be looking at Psalm 74. If you've got a Bible with you, that would be great to just get that out. If you haven't, there's a tab on the screen, I believe, to your right, and you can follow me there. So we'll be digging in there in just a a moment or two. But let me begin, first of all, with a question. Do you find yourself praying more as a result of the present crisis? Maybe there's been various pressures going on, worries about a job, worries uh, about a, a relative with... Uh, COVID-19, perhaps tensions within the marriage, within the family in different ways, and somehow you have begun to pray more than you would normally do so. And maybe you've been worried about what the future is like, even after all this is over. And so it's pushed you into praying more. One of the things that I found very interesting, according to some recent research by Tear Fund, is that some three million people who don't normally pray in the UK have said that they have prayed during this present crisis. That's, that's encouraging, I guess, that three million people who don't normally pray have actually said something to God, have prayed to God, have called on his name. And even on the news, we heard of the prime minister's uh, father saying that when his son was critically ill in hospital with COVID-19, he said he prayed. It seems that when we are vulnerable uh, and have no idea what to do or where to turn, uh, that people will pray. It seems as though it's natural to us. It seems as though it's written into our psyche in some way. Prayer, then, is natural. In fact, even the two words that we hear from time to time, oh God, are indeed the the shortest and the simplest form of prayer. Oh God, where are you? Oh God, what's happening? Oh God, uh, do something. And so, in many ways, that is an ejaculatory, uh, very extemporaneous form of prayer, the shortest and the simplest you could possibly make. Prayer, though, isn't always easy, and I guess you found that out and I found that out. We sometimes stumble over how to pray. How should I go about this situation that is going on in my life? How should I bring that to God? In fact, The disciples struggled with prayer, and they'd been brought up in a praying culture. Uh, Prayer was something they were used to. And yet when they saw Jesus praying, they realized there was a dynamic to prayer that they didn't know or understand. And so they said to Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. And so we have what's known as the Lord's Prayer or the family prayer, our Father who art in heaven. And of course, we have an enemy who will do anything, everything in his arsenal to stop us praying. He will in some way seek to discourage us. He will in some way seek to uh, divert us, in some way distract us, to stop us praying. The enemy knows the power of prayer. And the last thing he wants you or I to do is to pray because he knows that connects us with God. And he knows that when we pray, there is power with God. And the old saying still holds true, that that, that Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. That should be encouragement for you today and encouragement for me. We we may feel weak in these present circumstances, but we we go to God in prayer and there is power there. And and we, we call 
hell to tremble when we pray. So today we're looking at Psalm 74, what's known as a psalm of lament. And it makes it sound rather sad and sorrowful and perhaps even depressing. And maybe you want to say, I don't want to go there this morning. There's, a, there's enough that's just getting me down in life at this moment in time with the lockdown. And I don't really want to go there. But actually, it's more than a psalm of lament. This is actually a powerful prayer. And it can teach us a lot, lot about prayer. In fact, this prayer in Psalm 74 is revival praying. Now, I've titled this message, Doing Business with God in Difficult Times. And if there's something that we all need to learn, it's how to do business with God as the people of God. How to do business with him in the good times and in the bad times. And it's better that we learn how to do business with God in the good times so that we're ready uh, for it in the bad times. And the psalmist did that. And as we read through the psalms, we, we discover the way he did business with God. The Huguenots of France used uh, uh, the Psalms might, to, to mighty effect in their, in their worship and in their prayer life. So much so that the emperors Louis XIII and the XIV, they, they passed laws to prohibit their use. They didn't want them using the Psalter, as they called it. And Psalm 74 had a special place for them. Upon being driven from their homes and dispossessed of their properties in 1686, and arriving in a foreign city as refugees, they, they cried out to God using the first few verses of this psalm. And then, some three years later, when they were able to return to their homes and churches, they sang this psalm again, but this time they sang it with great joy. Life, as I'm sure you have found out, and I know I found out, doesn't usually fall into nice, neat lines. I'm a perfectionist by nature. I like things in order. I like things to be done well. And for a long time, that used to, used to be a big struggle of mine. Uh, and I've come to accept that life is messy. Even kingdom life is messy. It doesn't fall into nice, neat lines. And we, we need to know how to go to God in the messiness of life. We need to know how to go to him in prayer, to talk to him, to, to pray, to plead the promises, to even wrestle with him in prayer. Or as the old acrostic puts it, push to pray until something happens. We need to learn how to pray breakthrough prayer. And the psalmist did that. There were times when life got him down, but he would not allow life to keep him down. And I don't know about you this morning, how, how you're feeling, what your circumstances are, but it may be that life has got you down. And that's where the enemy would like to keep you. But I want to encourage you this morning to, to find strength in God and rise up above life, to rise up into that place that God would have you as his child. So that the psalmist, he, he went to God when he was discouraged. He went to God when he, he didn't understand things. It was the most natural thing for him to do. Through this season, I felt something of the stirring and the promptings of the Holy Spirit about this whole area of prayer, about my praying, about our praying, that perhaps maybe it's, it's too nice, it's too polite, it's too cliched, it's too me-centered, and it lacks that cutting edge to it. And the enemy, I think, is quite happy with that. He's happy with us saying our prayers, but he's not happy with us when we really do business with God 
in prayer. It's said of Mary, Queen of Scots, that she feared the prayers of John Knox more than all the assembled armies of Europe. That's something, isn't it? That John Knox, as a man of God, could pray in such a way as to cause the Queen of Scotland to quake in her boots. Would to God that we might be able to do the same in our day. So prayer in Scripture isn't about being nice and pretty. It's raw, it's real, it's powerful. So let's just take a brief look at Psalm 74 and see what it can teach us about prayer. And my prayer this morning is that you might be encouraged, however weak you feel, that you might be encouraged to pray, that you might feel God uh, stirring in you by his Holy Spirit that desire to come to him and pray whatever your circumstances today. So let's read Psalm 74 together. O God, why have you rejected us so long? Why is your anger so intense against the sheep of your pasture? Remember that we are the people that you chose long ago, the tribe that you redeemed, you redeemed as your own special possession. And remember Jerusalem, your home here on earth. Walk through the awful ruins of the city and see how the enemy has destroyed your sanctuary. There your enemies shouted their victorious battle cries. There they set up their battle standards. They swung their axes like woodcutters in a forest, and with axes and picks they smashed the carved paneling. They burned down your sanctuary to the ground. They defiled the place that bears your name. And then they thought, let's destroy everything. And so they burned down all the places where God was worshipped. We no longer see your miraculous signs, and all the prophets are gone, and no one can tell us when it will end. How long, O oh God, will you allow our enemies to insult you? Will you let them dishonor your name forever? Why do you hold back your strong right hand? Unleash your powerful fist and destroy them. You, O oh God, are my king from ages past, bringing salvation to the earth. You split the sea by your strength and you smash the heads of the sea monsters. You crush the heads of Leviathan and let the... Desert animals eat them. You cause the springs and the streams to gush forth, and you dried up rivers that never run dry. Both day and night belong to you. You made the starlight and the sun, and you set the boundaries of the earth, and you made both summer and winter. See how these enemies insult you, O Lord. A foolish nation has dishonored your name. Don't let these wild beasts destroy your turtle doves. Don't forget your suffering people forever. Remember your covenant promises, for the land is full of darkness and violence. Don't let the downtrodden be humiliated again. Instead, let the poor and the needy praise your name. Arise, O God, and defend your cause. Remember how these fools incite you, all, insult you all day long. Don't overlook what your enemies have said or their growing uproar. Wow, that's, that's quite a psalm, isn't it? And there's an awful lot going on in there. And I, I just want to pull out some four, five, six points, simple points for you to take hold of and, and think about your own prayer life and how you go to God in prayer, how you can pray about your own particular situation. But number one, we notice about the psalmist here, he prays with great boldness. There's no timidity here in his praying. There's no refined language 
The psalmist tells it like it is. He talks to God like it really is. In many ways, the psalmist is calling God to task. And this is, is not arrogance on the psalmist's part because we, we see in the psalm that he knows who God is and he knows who he is. God is the creator. He is the created. God is the redeemer and he is the redeemed. This, we might actually say, is humble audacity. And I believe that that is something that God wants of each of his children in prayer, to be humbly audacious, to come to him with great boldness, with great confidence, to, to be able to express ourselves, to express our hearts fully to him in prayer. And so he prays with great boldness. Then secondly, he states the nature of the situation. He, in verse 1, we, we find that he and they felt rejected. The temple had been destroyed. Jerusalem was in ruins. He says, look, look what your enemies have done. And, and I love this verse here. In verse 3, it says, walk through the awful ruins of the city. See how the enemy has destroyed your sanctuary. It's a bit like he says to God, God, would you just come with me for a moment? And, and would you just come and look walk with me and walk through your city and take a look at what they've done? Look, see this, see that. See what the enemy has done here and see what the enemy has done there. To all intents and purposes, it seems as though God has abandoned them. And so he invites God to, to come and walk around the city with him. There's devastation. This is not how it's meant to be. And, the, and, and aside from that, there are no miracles anymore. And there's no word from God, we read in verse 9. And not only that, there is no end in sight. It's like, how long is this going to go on for? When you read revival praying, this is typical of revival praying. And in many ways, the, the psalmist acts like an attorney who's building his case, not against God, but for God to act in his circumstances. And that's something that we need to learn to do, to state the nature of the situation we find ourselves in. I mean, God knows already, but he likes us to talk to him and explain to him and process it through with him. And this is the way we do life with God in prayer. And then thirdly, he was concerned for God's name. Verses 10 and 18 and 22 there, you notice how he talks about the honor of God's name, that God's name is being dishonored by all that is taking place. He's concerned for the name of God. So much of our praying perhaps is more concerned about me and centered about how I think and how I feel and what the world thinks about me, etc. But the psalmist's concern is with God's great name. God, your name is not being honored or glorified by what is taking place. Biblical praying has God at its center. It is always for his name. It is always for his glory. And so when we think about our own lives, it's how is God's name being dishonored or glorified in these present circumstances? So he was concerned for God's name. And then fourthly, in verse 10, he, you have this cry. This is actually the center of the psalm. You have this cry there where it comes out of the very depths of his being. How long, O Lord, how long? I'm sure you've prayed that kind of prayer, and I've prayed those kind of prayers. When something has just not been going the way we thought it would, and we wondered how much longer this is going to go on like that. And so David prays from it, that the psalmist prays from his heart with a sense of desperation. God, you see the situation. How much longer is this going to go on like that? It's gone on long enough. The problem for us, perhaps, frequently is we, we give up. 
we pray for a while to God, we talk to him, we tell him about it, and, and then we perhaps feel maybe as if it's not on God's agenda, he's not interested, he's not going to answer, and so we leave it. We don't persist in prayer. But the psalmist here comes and he cries from the very depths of his being, how long, O Lord? And then, fifthly, he reminded God of his covenant, of his promises, of his power, and what he has previously done. And, and you can see that there in various verses where he asked God to remember. It's not that God needs reminding. God never forgets. But this is the way the psalmist speaks to God. He says, remember that we are your people, the ones that you chose long ago. Remember that we are the ones that you redeemed as your own special possession. Remember Jerusalem, the place where, that you have made your home on earth. And so he, he asked God to, to remember. In verse 20, he says, remember your covenant promises, for the land is full of darkness and violence. And, and so he, he asks God, to, he, he reminds God of his covenant, of his promises, of his power. In verses 12 to, to uh, 17, we read, You, O God, are my king from ages past. You bring salvation to the earth. You are the one who split the sea by your strength. You've crushed the heads of Leviathan. You cause the springs and the streams to gush forth. Day and night, they, they belong to you. And, and you set the boundaries of the earth. And so he, he reminds God of his covenant, his promises, and of his power. And so though the situation is difficult, we realize that the psalmist here actually has faith. He's not lost faith in God, though the circumstances are difficult and trying, and he can't understand them at this moment in time. He has not lost faith in God. He still believes he still believes that he is the eternal God, that he is the creator God, that he is the all-powerful God. He still believes that he's the God of the covenant, the God who redeems, the God who gives precious promises. Faith does have questions, and that's not a problem to God. To ask them is not, in fact, uh, wrong. It, is, it can actually lead us to a more robust faith. And so we remind ourselves of who God is. We remind ourselves of what he's done, remind ourselves of his, his great covenant with us in Jesus Christ. And we remind ourselves that he has given us exceeding great and precious promises. And then sixthly, he called on God to intervene. He didn't just uh, bring the situation to him. He called on God to intervene. And right there in that, that last, second to last verse, he calls, his, he calls on God to, to rise up. And in fact, it runs through, really, through the whole of the psalm, the whole of his, his praying in different ways. The how long and the request for God to remember and so on. Uh, the, the God to unleash his powerful fist. It was all a, a, an ongoing request for God to act, for God to do something, for God to intervene. Arise, O God. I remember many years ago when we were at Aldington and... Um, Pastor Cyril Coombs, when we were praying at times uh, about situations, and, and, and one of his frequent expressions was in the, in the middle of his prayer was, come on, Lord, come on, Lord. Uh, and it's one of those things that has stuck me as a, a very precious way of, of speaking to God. And that's the essence, really, of what the psalmist is saying here. He's saying, come on, Lord, it's time to act. Come on, Lord, do something now. And so... I just want to encourage you today, wherever you are at, that there is power in prayer. I want to encourage you to draw near to God. I want to encourage you not to allow the enemy to, 
to knock you down, to push you into a corner, and to, to wipe you out. I want to encourage you to go to God, whatever your circumstances may be. And it may be that you need to find a, a fresh boldness in prayer. Well, I want to encourage you to open your heart afresh to the Holy Spirit who can give you that boldness, who can enable you to pray in a way that you would never perhaps have normally done so within yourself. It may be that you are in a difficult situation. You don't know what to do, where to go. You may be that you are worried about your job, etc. Go to God in prayer. Lay it all before him. Explain it to him. Tell it like it is. Be real with God. He doesn't mind that. And I want to encourage you to, 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 to let out the how long, as it were, to, to cry, to pray from the depths of your heart. God knows our emotions. He knows our feelings through and through. And he invites us to come to him in that way. And it may be that you've suppressed that cry, that the enemy has got you cornered, and you've suppressed that cry, and it's, it's time to release it. It's time to go to God and explain the situation to him. It's time to go to him and say, How long, O Lord? It's time to go, as Pastor Coombs would have said. It's time to go and say, come on, Lord, do something. Act now. And in doing so, remind him of his covenant. Get into the word of God. Read afresh uh, those scriptures and go through particularly those areas of the New Testament which speak of his new covenant with us in Jesus. How that he has loved us. How that he has redeemed us how that he has given us exceeding great and precious promises, all that is necessary for life and godliness, whatever our situations and circumstances. Remind him of his covenant. Remind him of his promises. Plead them and pray them through. Call on God to arise in your situation. Just a few points as we close. On this side of Calvary, we have been given an authority in prayer that they didn't know or have in the Old Testament. We have the powerful name of Jesus. If you ask anything in my name, said Jesus, that will be done. Whatever accords with his name and his purpose will be done. We have the the blood of Jesus and the the old saints, the saints of old, they, they used to talk about pleading the blood, which seems strange to us in our day and age, but there is something in it. It has to do with what he has accomplished at the cross and applying it to the present situation. Lord Jesus, this is what you died for. This is what needs to happen, etc. And then we have the keys of the kingdom for binding and loosing. And we need to take them and discover them, what ne- discover what needs to be bound and what needs to be loosed. And then we have a whole book full of promises, exceeding great and precious promises that covers all of life. And we need to search out those promises to to mine them and go to God with them and to to pray the promises, to pray until something happens. So I would encourage you to go away in your own time and and read this prayer, read this psalm. And and perhaps in doing so, you you can work your own words into it out of your own particular situation and circumstances. And you, you can pour out your heart to God through this psalm, much like the Huguenots did. And you can say, come on, Lord, it is time to act. So as we draw to a close and just before Tom comes to lead us again in worship, let's just pray, shall we? God, our Father, we praise you that through Jesus we may approach you with great confidence. 
and that through the Holy Spirit we may pray in dimensions we might never have known in the flesh. And I pray that you would stir up in each one of us through this psalm a real heart to pray in a way like we've never done before. Where perhaps we have gone cold in prayer. Holy Spirit, light that flame again in our hearts and lives. Where we've forgotten the promises, may we get them out again and learn to pray them through. And, oh God, I pray that we would call on you in the situations and circumstances in which we find ourselves. The challenges in this lockdown, perhaps of relationship, the challenges of worrying about a job, where our income is coming from, the challenges of worrying perhaps about a loved one who has COVID-19. Lord, there are so many things that are heavy upon our hearts and our minds at this time. And it may be that there are some that are sick this morning. We pray in Jesus' name you would release your healing power right now where they are, that they might know your healing touch in their bodies and they may be raised up to health and strength through the mighty name of Jesus. Where there are those who are weak this morning through all that has been going on, God, would you supernaturally strengthen them? Would you restore their, the strength of their bodies and of their hearts and of their minds in the name of Jesus? And Lord, would you release your provision too? And Lord, we do pray that you would bless all who are just listening in right at this moment and each one might find encouragement and hope and strength in Jesus Christ. For We ask it in his name and for his glory. Amen.